Well, first of all, I'd like to say thank you for being this community of faith. You know, I thank God for you folks that we're together a community at Ohana Christian Church. Um, it's amazing to think that in one month we're going to be one year old. You know, that's pretty amazing. And how we all come together as a community of believers in order to follow Christ. It's great to see people seeking to live their lives and to make um, their faith really authentic, you know, and to live out this spirituality in a genuine way. Um, so I'm, I'm just grateful, Lord. Um, I'm just grateful that I get to speak to you today and, to continue, and just to contribute to your faith journey. So for that, I say thank you. Now, today we're going to dive into the Gospel of Mark. Now, I love Mark's gospel because it's fast-paced. You know, it's only 16 chapters long. There's no birth narrative. Just Jesus jumps right into it. You know, he's baptized and he's off and running. For Jesus, the time is now. For the kingdom of God has come near. In the Common English Bible, in, verses, in chapter 1, verse 15, it says this. And Jesus announces, now is the time. Here comes the kingdom of God. Change your hearts and your lives and trust this good news. So Mark does something interesting with Jesus. He lets the the audience know that Jesus is the son of God. However, in Mark, the characters in this narrative have no idea who this Jesus is. They have a hard time grasping who this Jesus is. You know, Jesus is intriguing because... He casts out demons and heals the sick, all in chapter 1. But the same Jesus is disturbing because he eats with sinners and he works on the Sabbath. That's a huge no-no for the people of Israel. So there's this story about Mark, and the title of this sermon is called Matt's Knees and Measurable Outcomes. So there's this story in chapter 2 about a paralyzed man meeting Jesus, and it's such a great story. How many of you know that story? So growing up in the church, I would hear this story told many times. It's a story that we tell our Sunday school kids. It might be a story that you read to your children at night. And it's just a great story to do a skit to, you know? So this is how the story goes. At least this is how I kind of remember it when I when I was told the story. So Jesus returns home after this opening tour, and he has become this this rock star. People are gathering to be a part of this Jesus experience. It's like a sold-out Duran Duran concert. Anybody go? No? Maybe a sold-out Bruno Mars concert. Maybe that'll make more sense. And nobody can get in. Then we're introduced to this paralyzed man and his four friends. We don't know much about the paralytic. We don't know if he was born paralyzed or did he recently become paralyzed. How long was he a paralytic? Could he have depression or shame from being a paralytic? What did he do? Did he do anything to become you know, to be in this state that he's in. Now, we don't know much about the paralytic or his friend, but we know they were desperate 
to get to Jesus. These friends believe that if they could get their brother, just get their brother to Jesus, this meeting would be epic. This could be one of those things that would go viral. So we better get this on Facebook Live. Or we better Snapchat this sucker. We could get a million views if we put this thing on YouTube. Yet there's no way to get to Jesus. So what do they do? They slash through the roof and they cautiously lower the paralyzed man toward Jesus. And it's about to go down. Now, Jesus is at awe at the kindness of the friends. And Jesus is like, that's faith. How many of you have friends like that? Friends that would destroy a stranger's roof for you. Can you picture the owner? He's like, hey, cuz, that's my roof, bro. What you doing? Well, Jesus is moved with compassion, and he tells the paralyzed person, to pick up his mat and go home. Can you imagine if there were smartphones at that time? Everybody would be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and videotaping the whole thing. I can imagine seeing the paralyzed person jump up, pick up his mat, take a selfie, post it on Facebook. He's like walking home, healed. Hashtag Jesus. What a great story. At least that's how I would remember it. Well, that's not completely how the whole story goes. There's a part in the story that gets a bit awkward, and it's hard to make sense of what's going on. It's easy to miss the main point of the story with this awesome ending of a paralytic picking up his mat, and walking home. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 2. Verse 1, and we'll go to verse 13. Okay? And it reads as this. A few, day li- a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, The people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there were no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the man, or the mat, lowered the mat the man was lying on, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Wait, wait, what? Your sins are forgiven? Can you imagine what's going through the mind of the paralytic person as he's hearing this? He's like, this is not what I came for. I didn't come for my sins to be forgiven. That doesn't help my situation here. I need measurable outcomes. I need to walk. I'm paralyzed. I need to see myself walking. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. 
Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. After hearing or after reading this story, what does this story do for you? Is it troubling? Or is it reassuring? And why? What's going on here? What's so important with the forgiveness of sins? For me, I wish this story didn't contain the second half of, you know, from verses 5 all the way to verse 10. Then this story would be so much easier to understand. See, I can understand that we can be like the compassionate friends, that we're the hands and the feet of, that can bring people to the feet of Jesus to change their lives. I can understand that we can help others get through obstacles, help them get through obstacles and bring them to Jesus. That I can understand. Why ruin a good story with the idea of forgiveness? Why include the religious teachers and the scribes And just to be fair, the scribes and the religious people weren't bad people because their intention, their aim, was to get people to take the scripture seriously. That's what their aim was to do. See, the the scribes and the religious people only believed that only God could forgive sins. And only the priest could speak for God on his behalf. Jesus wasn't a priest. Why would he be the one who can speak for God? So Jesus took this huge risk. A huge risk. By saying your sins are forgiven, Jesus could have been accused of blasphemy, which is punishable by death. He could have been put to death right there and then. End of his ministry. Chapter 2, done. Why take, why take such a risk? And the paralytic didn't even ask for forgiveness. Right? He never confessed. He never repented. He didn't say a thing. Now here's why I believe Jesus took such a huge risk. See, the ancient Jews believed that the body and the soul were inseparable. They They had this holistic understanding that body, soul, and mind were all interconnected, tied up into one another. So if you were unhealthy, you were not right with God. That's the understanding they had. Every instance and every unfortunate circumstance was a result of sin. The paralytic beyond his physical ailments was probably dealing with the why God. Why am I paralyzed? Did I sin? What did I do wrong? 
Mark has his reason for including this forgiveness bit right here in the story. It's because now is the time. The kingdom of God is here and now. God has given Jesus authority to forgive sins. So what do you think the paralytic person is thinking when he's offered forgiveness? See, I think this is what Jesus is doing here. And he's more than giving the paralyzed person a free pass to heaven. It's more than just that. I think Jesus was reconnecting this man back to God. Because he probably felt so distant. I did something wrong. That's why I'm paralyzed. But Jesus was reconnecting this man back to God. Jesus was speaking to the paralytic's heart language. This paralyzed man probably felt like he must have done something wrong in order to be in this state, to be in this situation. You know, I think sometimes we get, have this misconception of God that when something goes wrong, God must be angry at me. You know, sometimes we blame God for the situation we're in. Or, and it's easy to blame God but sometimes we have God all wrong. God is the giver of life. He gives life. God wants us to live and to thrive. Now, I told you before that I love the sport of basketball. Well, when I was 19, I came to Jesus and um, I was so full of zeal and, and passion for Jesus. I wanted to serve him because he showed up in my life. And I was like, wow, this, Jesus is pretty amazing. Like, I never thought God could be awesome. But at that point, I mean, God was amazingly awesome. And at the age of 19, I remember this because I met Michelle the day before, my wife, um, and it was like a blind date, and I met her, and I was like, wow, this girl is awesome. And I was praying before that. I was like, God, you know, if you let this blind date thing work out, you know, I'll read my Bible every day. I'll pray. I promise. I promise. So um, when I saw her, I was like, thank you. It's like an answer to prayer. Thank you, Jesus, you know. And I was just um, happy, you know. Um, and then the next day, I went to play basketball. My friend called me up, and he was like, hey. We're going to go down to the court, all of us. I'll pick you up. We'll go play ball. So we all went, and we were playing against, um, like, we were playing, and then we were playing against a group of people who were in band. No, no, nothing against band, okay? But these guys, we thought we should be beating them because we were the jocks, and these guys were from band, you know? And they were kicking our butts, <laughs> So I remember I was driving down the lane. I'm like, I'm going, to take this, I'm going to take this up strong. So I went up for the layup, and this guy just jumped right in front of me. So I saw my friend cutting down on the other side of the lane, and I dished it off. And I think he made the layup. I don't know what happened. All I know what, that what happened was I landed, and my body started twisting, and I heard a pop in my knee. Pop, pop! And I was down on the ground. And my knee started to swell up really fast as the size of a watermelon. It was, it was bad. And I was just down on the ground in, in, in excruciating pain. And I was like, what? You know, in my mind, I didn't say it out loud. I was like, why, Jesus? But I was thinking, why, Jesus, why? 
I prayed before we played. I said, keep me healthy. Why didn't you keep me healthy? And I, was, I remember I was on the ground and thoughts would just race through my head. And at one point I was like, Jesus, is this because I didn't read my Bible and pray like I promised? Is this why? This is probably why. You know, at that point, God seemed to me to be so rigid and so legalistic. But it's after a while, after I went through rehab, and I remember um, I went to the doctor and they put me in a cast, and then, you know, I had a lot of faith at the time. I was like super Christian, you know? So I, we believed that if you put anointed oil on your legs and you put like prayer cloths um, and you pray over it, God will do this great miracle. So I remember I put all this had anointed oil running down my cast, and I put this prayer cloth in my cast, and the doctor cut open the cast, and he's like, what the heck is all this? <laughs> and I was, I was hoping God, that God would do this miracle, and the doctor would be like, I believe in Jesus now. <laughs> and I was like, see, you should believe in Jesus, but it didn't happen. And I had to go through the whole process of healing. And I didn't know why God put me through that. But after seeking God and learning more about his nature, about his grace and his mercy, and even understanding his wrath, this situation made more sense to me and gave me a healthier understanding of who God is. That God didn't do this to me. You know, it was simple physics. If your leg lands one way and your, it's your base and your body starts twisting, something's got to give. But I believe that God was there with me in the situation that God was holding me in his arms while I was crying out in pain, saying, why, God, why? God's like, I, I know, this sucks. This sucks. But I'm here for you. See, is it possible that by forgiving the paralytic that Jesus was bringing healing to this man's misconception of God? That God is the giver of life that God wants us to live. You know, as Thomas preached last week, God is for you. God is for you. And sometimes we blame God for our circumstances. There's this temptation to believe that if God is all-powerful and in control of everything, why did he let this happen to me? And maybe that's not the right question. Doesn't he care about me? We can easily become disillusioned with God, who we feel put us in such an awful predicament. But I want you to know that God does care about us. I believe that God suffers with us when we're suffering. That God stands by our side. I love the way that Jesus breaks this cycle of despair for this paralytic person and forgives us And he restores our humanity so that we can live a life and life more abundantly. By forgiving the paralytic, Jesus is restoring him to wholeness. He's trying to give this man a healthy understanding of who God really is. Now, looking back on Mark's story, it's, it's funny to know that the healing of the paralytic comes secondary to Jesus' authority to forgive. This whole confrontation with the scribes comes to an apex where Jesus provides 
measurable outcomes through healing. He says, you, you know what? I can forgive sins. To prove it, pick up your mat and walk. If, just imagine if this paralytic went home and was just healed. He could still go home and say, I better not mess this up. I better watch what I do because God might strike me down again. But instead of doing that, Jesus was like, I'm going to show you what God is like. And when you're healed, you'll understand this God of mercy and compassion. A God who is for you. Who did not put you in this situation, but stood by you this entire time. And God looked upon you and saw you. The kingdom of God is here and now. I think Jesus was disappointed with the reaction of the scribes and their lack of compassion and mercy. They were more concerned with being right. And sometimes spiritual people can be more interested in being right than being compassionate. Jesus was a friend to the sinners. Jesus touched and healed the unclean. Jesus was always willing to help those and he was moved with compassion. That's the God that we serve. You know, at one point, I was a paralytic within the church. Um, At the age of 19, I told you my story that I was on fire for Jesus. And I, I wanted to volunteer within the church. So I remember I had a youth pastor and he told me, you know what, Danny, I want you to take over the youth services. And he didn't give me like, tips on how to do it or, you know, it was just like, take it. Try and, you know, just trust in God and serve God. And I remember one time he he gave me this and I was worried that, you know, I heard talks that he was trying to get out of the position, trying to find a replacement. You know, so I was worried that he was just trying to pass the buck on to me. Um, So, one night service, he asked me to take over the service. And um, so we met as a group before the service. And I was like, okay, tonight, um, I told the worship leader, I'm going to ask that you not lead tonight. I'm going to ask my youth pastor to lead it um, tonight. And the person that I told this to, the the worship leader, not the youth pastor, got really broken up over this whole thing. Like, maybe, you know... I probably made her feel like, you're not good enough to do this. I need somebody else to do this, you know. And she was really broken up. And um, she ran outside and, you know, we, our youth pastor gathered us together and said, you know, this was wrong. You handled this, you know, this could have been handled better. And I had some wrongdoing in it. You know, I was naive. I didn't know better. Um, but I remember that I was really broken up over this. You know, and I had people coming up to me after saying, you know, why did you do this? You shouldn't have been doing this. You know, you should have done this and this and this. And it just hit me that everybody would come and put in their two cents, you know. And it just really hurt me. And I was down in the dumps. And I remember getting together with them and they were like, you know, he didn't talk to me about this situation or whatever. There was no, like, trying to help me out. And I was just really hurt by the whole situation. And I remember them telling me, okay, you know what? It's over. Move on. 
but I couldn't move on. I was scarred on the inside. And at that point, I couldn't do anything in church. I was a paralytic. I didn't want to participate. And people didn't know what to say to me. They came up to me and said, you know what, I'm praying for you. I'm like, great, you're praying for me, whatever. You know? They didn't know what to say to me. And um, I didn't trust them. And I remember this went on for years and years, and I was just bitter and hurt, and I couldn't move out of this situation. I didn't know how to get out. And one day, I think God talked to me and says, you know what, you need to talk to this person and get this thing cleaned up. So I remember we set up a meeting at Zippy's, because everybody meets at Zippy's. And we talked about the whole situation. I told him, I was hurt because you didn't help, you know, I, you didn't do this, 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 and it couldn't help me. And he, he apologized, and he asked for forgiveness. And I said, you know, I did some things too, and I asked for forgiveness. And we finally got things out in the open. And from that moment, because of forgiveness, I was able to take up my mat and go home. And that's why I can stand in front of you here today to speak to you. It's all because forgiveness. If I didn't experience forgiveness, I would still be down in the dumps, in the mire and in the muck. Is there something in your life that paralyzes you and your faith in God? Is there something that keeps you from experiencing the full capacity of God's grace and compassion and mercy in your lives. You see, living in community, even in Ohana Christian Church, is messy. Church is messy. But God chooses to use, use the church as his hands and feet to minister to the world. And as a church, we are to be friends, through compassion and mercy, to help those who are paralyzed. Those who are paralyzed with anger and fear. Those who are paralyzed because of abandonment. Those who are paralyzed because they have hatred in their hearts. And bring them to the feet of Jesus. See, the kingdom of God is here and now. And we as a church are to be a glimpse of heaven to the rest of the world. As a community of faith, may we be willing to forgive one another. To bring healing and restoration as we live life with one another. Let's pray.